What's going on? Chris, I don't think it could, it could get any hotter. Oh, yeah. I've just been trying to avoid it today. <laughs> I was wondering yeah, if you uh, did any training. With all oh, yeah. I've been, do- I've been doing training. You know what? The sad thing is uh, my wife – you know, my wife is, you know, basically quarantined down to this. I shouldn't use the word quarantine, I guess. Um, she's basically locked in our office where I'm sitting now. And so she doesn't get a lot of time outside during the day. And she went out there today to uh, let her dog out since I wasn't home. And she was like, oh, my God, how are you alive? <laughs> my response was, you know, here's the reality of it is. I don't even think today was the hottest day. I think I've been out there in, in hotter weather um, over the last couple of weeks. So uh, we've really, really, I really hope we've got high school, all the high school coaches are paying attention to the heat index guidelines and everything. And I, and I kind of hope that there's a, a gradual progression amongst practice schedules. I think if, I think if any coaches go straight into five days a week, as soon as they can, I think that's um, I think that's a mistake. I think right. we got to start it off on a, on a couple days, and um, I think we got to start off a couple days. I think that's probably what I'm going to end up doing with my club team schedule. We're going to go one day a week, the last two weeks of J- July, and then into August we'll start two days a week, and then after school starts we'll go. We'll start doing training three days a week. It's going to be a gradual progression. So yeah, um, that, that, that's kind of how we did things at Butler. Mario normally start off like on a Wednesday mm-hmm. of that week. Well. No, I take that back. He would July fifteenth normally when he planned on starting. So sometimes that could be the middle of the week, I guess. But normally we start off about three days and then, you know, about three to four days a week. We during the summer, he would do conditioning. Yeah, so give him Friday off normally. So yeah, we'd go, we'd go ahead, we'd dive right in, go five days, three hours every morning, and um, you know, it was effective, I guess. So I right. couldn't do that. We couldn't do that this year. It wouldn't. We were kind of having that conversation last night. It wouldn't work this year. My conditioning system. It's probably a good thing I stepped away because uh, my conditioning system that I run would not work this year. It would not be safe. So right. Um, and I and I'm I'm gonna go and assume that there are other coaches who are coaching that um, that they're in the, they're having the same dilemma. And I would hope that they err on the side of caution. I hope they, you know, choose safety first. So I think most sure. coaches will. <clears throat> I'll be really, I'll be really, really disappointed if we hear about over the next couple of weeks. I'll be really, really disappointed if we hear about some tragedies. I, I just, uh, we've already had a couple this summer. Um, don't know the context of those situations, so I won't speak too much on it. But I'll be really disappointed if we if we hear about any more. Yeah. So for sure. So anyway, um, well, Chris. I think uh, I think the whole world is waiting. Uh, let's <laughs> go ahead. You know, you've been setting Twitter on fire this week, man. Uh, yeah, that's uh, not really my attention, but you know that happens, I guess. <laughs> uh, hey, man, if you're going to be a sports journalist, uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna say things that people are going to disagree with, and it's just it's just uh, comes with the territory. So, um, you know, what what is it? Gonna, are you going to rant about? Uh, are you ranting about district tournaments tonight or? Uh, playing eleven on defense. Wh- which one is it tonight? Oh, gosh, well, let's let's just let's, <laughs> let's just not talk about Man City and what they did the other day. So let's, yeah, let's just, since this episode's about the district tournament, I guess I'll spend a few seconds talking about my thoughts on the sure. Go ahead. How it's yeah. I I just I've never really been a big fan of the district tournament. I just always thought 
I don't know. It just seems silly to me. You know, you have to win that first game, but you can lose in the championship game and still get a spot in the regional tournament. I mean, I know it's like that for every sport. It just it never really made sense to me in a way. So I, I would get rid of that and just do a 16-team region, regional tournament. But the problem with that is it would drag on for two weeks and, you know, where would you play it at and, and all that stuff. And I would also like to see, you know, like a postseason kind of like the uh, Champions League can have two teams have each have a home game. And then, you know, after that, there's another draw. You, you know what I'm saying, right? Basically yeah. Just yeah. In that format. But that's just the dream world. Dude. Yeah, I, I think – yeah, I think what you're asking for there is for every district to have the same amount of teams. I don't know if that's ever going to be possible. Um, I really wish the KHSAA would kind of, I'm going to use this term very, very, uh, very loosely. Um, I kind of wish the KH, KHSAA would um, kind of forum, their, forum uh, all the schools in the state to require a soccer program by, let's say, 2025. There's a lot of schools in the state that still don't have soccer teams. So a lot of the districts are uneven, unfortunately. I mean, and then you've got plenty of schools that one year they've got a team, the next year they don't. Um, that makes it that kind of makes it hard to put anything in sto- set in stone. So uh, your argument is a fair one. Uh, let me ask you this, Chris: Would you feel any differently if we went to a class system? Yeah, you know, I actually wouldn't mind that. I would. Okay. Yeah, I mean, as long as the state tournament seated. Yeah, we're going to class system. I would like to see the state tournament be seeded instead of this like random sixth region play eighth region one year and then you know trade off with the eighth to seventh because I just oh. it never made sense because you know this year it would have been Butler and Collegiate in the first round that should be like a state final. Yeah, way. yeah, uh, that was my next. That was kind of where I was gonna go with that. I was like, Chris, that's it's almost a gotcha question because I was gonna ask you. Do you know what schools you'd be play- likely be playing in your district tournament if you're at Butler? And it would probably be now you have PRP in there probably, but your other uh, your other six A schools would be uh, Mayo, Saint X, Trinity. <laughs> so um, that'd be the only kicker. Now it'd be here's what would be interesting is if they did a drawing um, in your district. So they let's say. You're in this. You're in a six A district, and you draw. So it's not the same. Basically, it's not the same teams every year you could play. So you draw, let's say Scott County, and Butler's got to go to Scott County for their district game. You see what I'm saying? Right. Um, that would be interesting. I don't know how it would uh, play out. I think that would probably be a short term solution, but it'd be interesting to see that. Uh, but it won't happen because of travel costs, especially now with uh, budgets. Budgets are taking a hit with. Um, the coronavirus and everything, um, which that uh, those conversations are taking place this week as far as what fall sports are going to look like. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, on if there's going to be a fall season, is that what you're? Asking? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, I, I honestly can't say. I mean, it looks like they're going to try, but I just think it's going to be a disaster. There's just no way. I mean, here's just another thought. How many subs can you have on a bench? I mean, oh, you have... well, you can you can have as many as you want up until the district tournament, and then it's like the limit is like twenty four players on your roster, so you can still have have like thirteen players on your well, bench at district. Yeah, but I'm talking about with this virus, though. 
Oh, yeah. If this year, I mean, how many kids can you have, like, sitting next to each other? Well, not just that. We're requiring them to wear masks. Right. I mean, how how can a coach coach a game and then look back on the bench and and force the mask? Which, I mean, they should, but it's just – it doesn't seem possible. Um, Here's what Coach Gravatt would do. If I were coaching high school this fall, I got two solutions here. What soccer coach Gravatt would do – is I would have – I'd still have my three-hour practices, right? However, you don't need to hear me out on this. Um, uh, I would have – let's say I got 25 players, right? And – which is probably the most I would see in the, in July anyway. Uh, 25 players, you do one-hour, eight-man shifts. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's kind of how they're doing it in a way, like eight people. I th- yeah, I think that's the – I think you go 4v4 because I don't know if – I shared this a couple weeks ago – some stats that Manchester United took uh, shots in four v four games. You know, uh, ball or, you know touches amongst players went up like eight hundred percent. Shots on goal went up like five hundred percent. And I think that's where you start to see improvement. You can there's enough pressure in a four v four v four situation where the kids feel like they're competing against somebody, but at the same time, a coach can focus on because there's so much space there that a coach can focus on technique and, you know, just the overall overall technical side of the game as well. So that's what I would do. I'd have one uh, eight-man eight, eight man shift come in or eight-woman shift come in at 8 o'clock, another one come in at 9 o'clock, and the other one come in at 10 o'clock. And uh, that's how I'd roll. So now let's pretend I am the – let's pretend I am the uh, czar. Let's pretend I'm Jerry Wyman. I'm uh, sorry to be using his name during the podcast, but let's pre- do you know who that is? Oh, yeah, the commissioner. Okay. Yeah, let's pretend I'm that guy. Heck, let's pretend I'm Julian Tackett, right? Um, and here's what, I tell my, here's what I tell my sports teams. Every program in the fall gets one game a week. There are no JV freshman seasons, okay? Um, no, or at least no JV freshman games. Now, if you want to – if you're, you know, Butler and you're playing Valley – uh, coach, that's your opportunity to play your freshman in your JV. In fact, I think you have an obligation to do so. However, right. um, um, I would go, you know, each program gets one game a week, right? I'd go volleyball on Monday, uh, Tuesday, uh, boys soccer, Wednesday, girls soccer, Thursday, let's say cross country, and then Friday night is, of course, football, right? Um, all sports get, uh, the first four sports that week get, um, get one parent per household to come, which some schools, that's the entire crowd, unfortunately. Um, and then Friday night football could operate at 50% capacity. Um, cause there's still got, there's got to be some kind of gate drawn, you know? Um, and so, and then as far as practices go, let's say, here's where I'm, I'm afraid we're going to see the mistake, Chris. Um, they're going to offer kids the option. Do you want NTI or do you want, um, do you want to do NTI or do you want to do in-person classes? Well, that's going to be more work on the teachers. Right. And then we're also going to have kids. I mean, cause we've got school kids that change schools. Like they change socks throughout the year. <laughs> I mean, there are some schools in our district. There are kids, some kids in our district that'll see three different high schools in one year, you know, and that's not good for the kid. It's not good for the teachers involved. Uh, the guidance counselors, you name it, right? So my fear is is that we'll have some kids that are saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to go NTI uh, this week, and then next week I'm going to be in person. That's way too much to keep up with, and that's not fair to anybody involved. So I'm hopeful. I think, sport, I think sports are most possible, Chris, if 
the state or even at least Jefferson County decides, okay, we're either doing one or the other. We're either going to be NTI or in person. I think that's the sport's best chance. And if you think about it, NTI could be more of a success if you have sports because it encourages more uh, engagement amongst the kids. Right. But I just wonder, like, if they do NTI, would they still allow people to come to campus, though? Okay. So closed. Then okay. All right. Well, you know, these are crazy times, so we can make crazy. You know, we can uh, bend the rules a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Here's what we do. Uh, You know, we allow. Okay, everybody's allowed to practice two hours a day. You can't practice before three o'clock, and you can't practice after five o'clock. Youth leagues, and this is gonna, this is gonna make the Fairdale crowd mad. Sorry, youth leagues cannot practice on on school campuses during those times. They got to find somewhere else to go. Sorry, um, high school teams should get priority over the youth league teams. In my opinion. In oh, fact, that, I think. Uh, I, well, <laughs> you'd be surprised. <laughs> anyway, so, um, but so if you're a foot, let's say Chris, you're a football coach, right? And you've got a three o'clock to five o'clock practice. I would have one hour dedicated to freshmen and sophomores, so you can still develop your freshman JV, right? And then another hour dedicated to upperclassmen. And then one one practice a week have some kind of scrimmage for the freshmen and JV. And everybody should be playing games. I mean, there's going to be some schools that are going to be punching upward no matter who they play, right? But everybody should be playing a couple games this year where they can put their freshmen and JV in in the second half. I mean, everybody's going to see that. So, um, but that's the way I would handle things. Um, that's the way I would handle things. And I think that would, uh, you know, we need sports to uh, make sure the kids stay engaged. Because we have some kids, if they're not playing football, if they're not playing soccer, they're not going to do well in school. That's just the reality of it. Right. So, and as far as your district tournament argument goes, it's a fair one. But uh, there's two words I'm going to, you're going to roll your eyes because you're going to hear me say this a lot. Um, exposure and experience. Um, we play those district tournament games, number one, because schools might rely on that gate money. Um, but two, if I'm, let's say I'm, let's say I've got a, a program that's got 60 kids in it and I've got an embarrassment of riches. Every one of my players is a first teamer in their club, right? Um, if I'm playing, I'm, I'm going to use, I'm going to just use them as an example. If I'm playing Brown, in the first round of this district tournament, I am probably playing my freshmen and sophomores, you know, getting them, them that experience. So, um, that's why we have the district tournament. Uh, it's in Chris, you'd be shocked. And we're going to talk about it tonight. You'd be shocked at how many schools out of nowhere, how many teams after winning three games all season, turn around and play their absolute best game in the first round of the district tournament against a team that should be killing them. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that a lot in basketball, especially mm-hmm. this year. Western, they they kind of did really well in the district. That kind of surprised me. They made it to the district final. They played right. Butler. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. But, I don't know, it just still seems silly to me. But I don't know. And, you know, and, <laughs> you know plenty. You, you, you've done a good job. Um, so, the other thing is, is that um, with the district tournament, it gives kids an opportunity to – you know, in the situation we're talking about, you know, it gives kids an opportunity to make a name for themselves. It's there's always a few more eyeballs on the district tournaments uh, on your postseason games. Just a few more, whether it's uh, newspaper journalists, you know, people like that's going to be you in five years at least, right? 
I hope, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's – and now with social media, you know, the Chris Mattingly's of the world, um, who's just going to be a freshman in college this year, can tweet about that player, say, hey, we haven't heard of this kid all year. Look what he's doing in the first round of districts. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, so and, and the reason – and, Chris, the reason – and now, hey, listen, not every – uh, not every region, to my knowledge, not every region invites um, uh, the loser of the district championship game, right? Um, but in our case, you know, our schools, our athletic departments here in Jefferson County, when they get to host a regional tournament, you know, or, you know, like Mercy does and you've got the sales and everything, um, that gate money goes a long way towards their budgets. So, um and, you know, the kids, we love the opportunity to play on the turf fields. I'm not as crazy about it, but most people are. So um, it's – you'll hear me say this a few times too. Everything boils down to money, and there's more money when you can have twice as many teams. So – and again, exposure and experience. Yeah. I, you know, I think down the road we should probably do an episode about the logistics of putting together a region tournament. I don't know if you know mm. anything. I wish I did. Know. Well, no, I'll tell you what. We did. When I was at Franklin Simpson, we hosted the regional one year. Um, at Fairdale, we hosted the districts in 2012 and 2015. It was supposed to be our year the last two years, but for whatever reason, that did not take place. So um, another episode for another day, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, one other thing I'll throw out as well um, with the district uh, or, you know, with the district tournament, you know, losing – uh, your district final or playing in your district final. Um, uh, you know, again, uh, teams, um, teams, you know, need that opportunity. Um, you know, uh, what was it? we can't, you know, guys like you and me, you, you've been on a, uh, on a, on the bench for, of a regional championship team, right? You've in your soccer experience, you've been part of two regional championship games, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Uh, since I've been coaching, or at least since I've been coaching at Fairdale and Franklin Simpson, for that matter, uh, you know, it, we we get to a point where we take playing and being a part of those games for granted. And I was – you ever seen the Mighty Ducks? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, my gosh. You got a homework assignment, bud. Um, you got a homework assignment this week. You're going to watch the Mighty Ducks. It's one of the greatest sports movies ever. Um but uh, we're, we're going to make two sports movie references tonight. And you know what? That'd be a great show as well to do our all-time top sports movies. But not tonight. Anyway, so I was watching it this weekend with Luke because it's on Disney Plus, which meant I had to watch it. And uh, I'm sitting there watching it with Luke. And there's a scene where the main character, the coach, Gordon Bombay, he's explaining to the team captain, Charlie, um, a little bit of his background and why he is the way he is. And he talks about... Um, he talks about being uh, being in a shootout in the tournament championship when he was nine years old. And he's telling Charlie this, and Charlie's first response and only response is, oh my gosh, that must have been so cool. This is a kid that hadn't won anything in his life. Um, and he says, oh my gosh, that must have been so cool just to be a part of that game. And it just took me back, you know, thinking about tonight's show and everything, it took me back to 2004 when we were playing Bowling Green in the district game, district tournament, it took me back to when I was in high school and we didn't win a single district game my whole time there. Right. I didn't win a district tournament game until I was at Franklin Simpson. 
And it just took me back to, oh my gosh, how cool would it be to be a part of that? So, you know, we've got a lot of kids that think that way. And them making the district championship, whether they win 5 nothing or lose 10 nothing, it's a big deal to them. And um, I would, so that, you know, because I've, because I've, I feel like I haven't fully forgotten about where I came from. I'm going to celebrate every district championship I win. I'm going to celebrate, you know, like it, like we won the world cup. And um, that's why we have the district tournaments, man. Um, your argument is fair. There's a lot of people that probably think that way. I uh, agree. Uh, and there's a lot of things I, I would do differently as well, but that's why, that's why we do have it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a fair argument though, and I'd be anxious to see what we do, what we would do with a class system as well. So, um, for sure. But I don't foresee it changing anytime soon. And this year, I tell you what, we can't take it for granted because if we make it to district tournaments this year and the kids are able to play, that's a win. Yeah, definitely. So, that, that'd be pretty incredible. It doesn't really look like that way right now, but who knows? <laughs> who knows, man? All right, man. Let's get this thing. Let's get this show on the road. All right, so we're going to talk some more about district tournaments, uh, specifically the 2004, you were assistant at Warren East, almost said Warren Central again. That's okay. Uh, So Warren East, so you start out with a 4-3 win over Barron County, and this is at Glasgow, and uh, they just kind of want to talk about that. I think we kind of discussed that already. I can't remember for – We we skimmed over it on our 2004 episode. Um, so I guess this is in a way is 2004 part two. Um, but, um, the Barron County win, it was a thriller. I mean, um, the Barron County was on the verge of having a really good run there for about five or six years. Um, and I really believe that that season was the start of it. Cause yeah, I remember uh, the beginning of the season, we beat Barron County five to one and then we had to settle for a tie against them. Um, halfway through the year. So we're going into this game in the first round of districts and it's a toss up. And, um, um, this team, uh, our guys were, <sighs> when you're in a district like we were in where congratulations, you get to play Bowling Green. Congratulations. You get to play Greenwood. Congratulations. You get to play Warren central. It's really, really, really difficult to keep kids motivated knowing that they're going to be a huge underdog, that they're going to be punching upward, right? So, um, but I tell you what, in that game, um, we beat Barron, and it was a thriller. I think we scored with about seven minutes. To, I believe we scored with about seven minutes to go um, to win the game. Uh, but again, it was, congrats, you get to play Bowling Green. And Totally. <laughs> yeah, so it's... Um, uh, that can be very – you win the game, but it's a little bittersweet because you know what's coming up next. Right. So what, why was the game with Bowling Green just so important? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of reasons. Um, all right, another sports reference movie. Have you seen Rocky? Uh, scenes of it. I don't think I've actually sat down and watched the full oh. movie. But I know, like, <laughs> the famous, you know, the lines and whatnot. Yeah, you I know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're gonna, yeah, you gotta you gotta watch Rocky at some point, Chris. These games, and this here's why I like that movie so much. All right, it's probably my it's my number one sports movie of all time, because when he's fighting Apollo Creed, right, Rocky is a huge underdog, and it's basically just supposed to be an exhibition. You know, Apollo is giving Rocky Balboa this 
this opportunity to show himself, you know, and show what he's got. And it's, there's this term called tragic inevitability, meaning we all know how this is going to end. Right. And, uh, Rocky lets Apollo know pretty quick. No, this is a real fight. I'm, I, I didn't come here to lose. And the thing about that movie, that's so, it, it, so to me, that movie is very realistic because you see, you got to pay attention to this, the facial expressions, because the facial expressions that you see in that movie where everybody's looking around wondering, when's Apollo going to knock this bum out? You know, you look at Rocky and you see the sense of belief coming over, you know, uh, coming over his face that he can win this, right? And it's no different. Anybody that's been involved in a game like this, whether it's soccer, basketball, or football, when if you're supposed to win, you know that and you're not. <laughs> and if you lose, your season's over. That look of doubt comes over your face. Like that look of concern comes over your face. You can't hide it. And it's the same for that look of belief. If you're the underdog and you realize there's five minutes to go and you have a chance to win this game, all of a sudden your confidence is sky high and you realize you're in a fight. And that's why that's and that's what took place in this game. So for me personally, this game in a lot of ways was a tone setter for what I was hoping to accomplish, not just as not just the coach at Warren East, but in my overall career. Um you know, I always envisioned my teams were going to be underdogs. We're going to have that underdog mentality, at least, whether we were or not. Uh, we were going to punch upward, and we weren't going to be intimidated by the regional or state powers we came across. Um, we're going to bring the fight to the bully in the yard. And if I'm a player in that game, and our kids told us this, I'm seeing this game as an opportunity to accomplish something that no other team at your school or in the region has pulled off. The talent pool between Warren East and down in that area, we've talked about this before. The talent pool between Bowling Green and Warren East is it's there's a lot of disparity, right? Nobody at Warren East has beaten Bowling Green in anything hardly. Um, uh, now that, at that time that was the case. Now here lately in the past few years, East has East has developed their athletic department a little bit more. The talent pool is a little bit deeper. So that but that one game in the postseason could define your entire four year high school career. And I guarantee you, the kids that graduated that graduated that season, that was their last game. That's what they think of. And we pushed Bowling Green. We had Bowling Green on the ropes. So um, that's why that game was important. Um, it was a tone setter for my – I felt like for my career. And I've forgotten about it a lot too um, up until we started doing – you know, we got the idea for the podcast. We're like, man, I really want to talk about that, that Bowling Green game in 2004 where we had them on the ropes. And – you know, you could argue that we played them better than there. There were only one or two teams that played them any better that year. For sure. So what was kind of like the preparation, the expectations going into the game? <sighs> there are some, well, as far as expectations going into that game, these are the phrases that go through kids' heads. And the, to be honest, they go through the coaches' heads as well, as well. And they definitely go through the parents' heads. Don't get blown out. Keep it respectable. Go down trying. And those are all the things that go through a player's head when they see they're going up against an opponent like Bowling Green in the district tournament. I did it when I was a player. We knew we were going to have to play Marshall County in the first round or Murray or something like or somebody like that. Um, so the expectations for these kinds of games are all about the language. And I'm not talking about like bad words or you know cussing up a storm to try and motivate the kids. That's not what I'm talking about. The language of the parents and coaches. If a coach is saying things like whatever happens, happens – that's going to put a ceiling on your kids' expectations for the game, right? And the reality is the kids will hear negative talk to some degree from their parents. 
Um, it's kind of like the uh, one, if you're an NCAA or a college basketball fan, uh, it's kind of the equivalent of a one versus 16 matchup, unless you're Virginia. And, <laughs> um, and in most cases, the end result will work itself out the way we expect it to. Again, there's that term again, tragic inevitability. And, you know, everybody's like, okay, okay, well, when's, when's the one seed? When's this team going to blow them out? And everybody's looking around waiting for it to happen, and it ain't happening, right? So this game was no different. So it's very important for us coaches to send the message that we were going to Glasgow that night to beat Bowling Green. We, were, we weren't going there to lose. And um, you send that message by you got to still maintain high expectations in practice. Um, you're still coaching. Right, you don't you don't go out there and roll the ball and say, "All right, guys, have fun." This is the last practice, probably the last practice of the year. That coach deserves to be fired if they do that. Um, you know, you're still paying attention to detail, making kids run if they're taking shortcuts, things like that. So it's all about the language and actions of a coach if you want to keep your kids motivated for games like this, because eventually, Chris, when you make the those kids run for, um, you know, for not taking things seriously or their body language sucks, or you stop practice to throw a fit about those same things, that's when the kids say, holy crap, he's serious about this. You know, When I was a senior in high school, we were getting ready to play Marshall County in the district tournament, and that was our best chance ever to advance in districts. We had the, we had the top record in the district that year, and Marshall ended up being the state runner-up. Well, we're practicing on Sunday, the week before districts, and one of the guys in my grade, or one of our other seniors, he's goofing off while coach is giving instructions. And coach stops what he's doing and sends him on a lap, makes him run the rest of practice. And he used these terms. I'm trying to win a district championship, and you're sitting here acting like a fool. And that's when it dawned on me, like, holy crap, he really thinks we can win this game. He's serious. So you got to get your kids saying that same thing about you as a coach when it comes to expectations. Totally. We should also probably mention this is a district where you had to play two games just to make it to the district yeah. final. Yeah. I, I hate the six. How many teams? If you're, if you're looking at it right now, uh, my wife's got a million tabs on the, on the Chromebook. So uh, what do you uh, – six teams, right? Yeah, six teams. Bowling Green, yeah. Warren East, Barron County – uh, Central and Glasgow. So you're looking at the bracket, Chris. Does that mean if we had beaten Bowling Green, we would have advanced to the district championship? Yeah, because Bowling Green advanced. <sighs> yeah. And Greenwood beat them 2 nothing. There you go. Yeah. So Greenwood had, Greenwood ended up being runner-up that year, I believe, um, So in the state. So it's all about the expectations, man. But you got to have you got to have the language and you got to have the actions. It's one thing to get on Twitter and tweet stuff like, "Hey, we got a chance to win. We're gonna shock the world." It's one thing to say that, you know, before in the huddle before you close out practice. But you got to your actions have to show that as well. Totally. So at one point, what point during this game did you realize you know things were serious and this is kind of a heated battle? Well, um, I'm a big believer that everybody's good the first 20 minutes of a game. But in this game, because it's such a mismatch, making it to the 20-minute mark without giving up a goal was going to be seen as a success. Bowling Green, we'll be, we'll be fair here. Bowling Green, even though there was a, a large talent gap, Bowling Green was relatively young. It was mostly a team full of sophomores and juniors, right? And we had a talented senior group. 
Um, what we needed out of them was more of a growth mindset for them to want to do something that they've never accomplished before. That's what we were looking for from them all year. And we hadn't gotten it from them up to that point. Um, but then as the underdog, you have to survive the initial blast coming out of halftime as well when the opponent is pissed. I mean, that's what happens. A lot of times teams will go into halftime, you know, scores, nothing, nothing. The coach chews them out. The captains get up and say, Hey, this is BS. We got to, you know, let's come out. Let's just, you know, let's, let's throttle them. You know, let's, uh, let's bring, deliver the knockout punch. And, you know, and that's all she wrote. So to me, after the first 20 minutes of the second half, that's when I looked up and said, Hey, we're in a battle. I mean, it took me a long time. Um, because I had, you know, I was still a little scarred from my high school experiences where we'd be in games like this all the time and either Marshall County or whoever it was we were playing would put it, you know, you know, they'd, they'd throw the dagger at us and be like, dang, you know, and take the air out of us and everything by scoring a goal. Um, you know, and hey, in the second half, we scored. We scored. And the refs took it away off a bogus offsides call. I still say it was bogus. Um but then throughout the game, like I said earlier, it becomes all about facial expressions, Chris. You see the panic in the faces of the Bowling Green kids and coaches. They they looked you look down and they look concerned. There was legit pacing by the coach, like he didn't know what to do. You can feel the growing concern of the parents on the other side of the field. You can literally feel that, the consternation, right? Um, and you can see more and more belief in the faces of your own players. You see them start to there's a little bit more pep in their step, there's a little bit more aggression. So, and all, by the way, referees who are expecting to, you know, have a day off because they're refereeing Bowling Green and Warren or Warren East. Um, you can literally see the referees looking around wondering why Bowling Green wasn't going to put us away. So, but by the 60th minute, I'd say business picked up and everyone finally accepted that this was going to be a fight. And that's why that reminds me so much of the Rocky first Rocky movie. I mean, it's all about the facial expressions and it's just, it's a pleasure. You know, even though we lost, it's a pleasure to be a part of a game like that because you just see the kids develop that belief as the game goes on and on and on. For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing like storming the field after winning, you know, in overtime. So. Yeah. that Yeah. That's nice too. So, yeah. Okay. So uh, did, did you ever think a win was possible? Um, and then overtime, once we got to overtime, I did, I really believe I, because here's what, here's what was going on, man. Our keeper, um, in my opinion, I felt like we had the better keeper. So I was like, okay, if we can make it to a shootout, we're going to win this game. Um, because anything can happen once you get to overtime. And then once the shootout happens, throw everything else out, you know, it's all about, it's in a lot of ways that we've talked about this before. It's all about luck. Right. So our goalie was red hot. So me and the head coach and our kids were on the sideline. We were saying to each other, if we make it to a shootout, we're going to win this game. And um, Eric Pretty was probably one of the more underrated goalies in the state that year. He was a really good keeper. Um, It's just, you know, he wasn't going to get any attention because he was at Warren East. Um, Which at that time in 2004, that was still a thing. You know, you'll hear people say, well, it's because he's playing or she's playing at this school and that's why she's not getting any attention. That's a load of crap here in 2020. It's called social media. It's called Instagram. You know, anybody can get attention anywhere. Anyway, so I'm coming back now. Um, He was going to stop one or two penalties if the game got to that point. He was that good that night. He had made some incredible saves. Um 
And so, yeah, it was like once we got to overtime, I'm thinking we're going to win this game. No, let's do it. Yeah, it's, I'm looking now. It's kind of odd. There's no roster. There's no stats for any of the teams. They didn't require it's, it in 2004. That's so weird. I mean, I think this would be like a requirement each year, you, really. You know, a great, Chris, a great fundraising opportunity would be for the KHSAA, especially in times like this, if they would, uh, if they could designate somebody at each school to record these games and then allow pl- parents or players. Now, programs do it all the time. You use it as a fundraiser, right, for any sport. If the state did it, though, it'd be awesome. If you're 30 years old and you know you're having a fit of nostalgia and you want to go back and watch this game, it'd be awesome to be able to go on the KHSAA site and order a DVD to come to you of that game. Yeah, you know? I, I think nowadays, I know you all at Fairdale use like a camera to record, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. So they, they kind of do that now, I mean, online. But there's, yeah. There's no stuff for back then. Yeah, like I said, some you know the programs that have a little bit more you know number one parent involvement that can that can handle it, um, they use it as a fundraiser, and it's a great idea for a fundraiser because I would love to go back and watch this game. You know? Yeah, I would too. I wish I could see some stats, like to see how many saves that keeper had. And oh, that up. night, that night, I bet Eric had. Um, I'll I tell you what, uh, you might want to go check out the Bowling Green Daily News archives and see if it go back. It goes back that far. Um, that'd be my first suggestion, but I'll bet that night, Chris, I bet Eric had 20 saves at least, you know, yeah. the time, the time of possession Bowling Green dominated, right? Their speed of play was so much better than ours. They were in the right spots and everything. It, it, it was a mismatch. And, but I'll tell you what, we had a red hot keeper who was very underrated. We had seniors that just decided that game that they were going to, they were going to punch upward finally. And like I said, you'd be shocked how many kids, how many teams play their best game of the season in districts. That's why we play the district tournament. And, um, and we had an aggressive defense as well that night. So, um, I mean, that's, that's a recipe for a near, uh, an upset or a near upset. So totally. So, uh, how, how do you think, uh, how, how to, uh, Oh, sorry about that. Uh, Okay. What was I asked? Uh, how should you avoid like these type of mismatches in the tournament? Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, some schools are just going to have to hope for realignment. (laughs) So if you're, uh, I don't want to pick on them too much, but if you're male, right, and you've got who, Collegiate and St. X in your district. Right, yeah, Brown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're Brown even, um, you just got to hope for realignment at some point and, you know, have to have a chance just to win a tournament game. Um, <clears throat> but I would say if soccer ever gets serious about going to a class system, um, which it's not going to happen now anytime soon because of the budget restraints we're going to be looking at, uh, then there's a chance that we wouldn't see as many of these mismatches in district tournaments around the state. I think it'd be, I think if you've got two 4A schools or 6A schools or whatever going up against one another, you've got a chance for a more competitive game. Um, but right now and probably over the next five to 10 years, good luck convincing KHSAA to go that route. For sure. So would you rather play opponents in the first round or go through battle to prepare for a tougher opponent? I mean, that didn't make sense. No, you're good. I got you what you mean. Um, <clears throat> well, both options have positives, right? Now, for me and my teams personally, and I don't know if this is an indictment on me as a coach, um, but history shows for me 
that a battle in the first game usually ha- has usually had my teams primed for some kind of success in the next round. So tonight we talked about us playing Barron County in a thriller four to three, and then turning around and uh, playing Bowling Green two nights later. Uh, and uh, here's the other thing uh, about that too, uh, Chris. Uh, I didn't, you know, we we beat Barron County, and then we come out to practice the next night, and the kids are just. It's funny how this happens. The kids were just, you know, their body language sucked because we we're playing Bowling Green. Well, it's a good season. Let's let's just come out and have fun. Let's goof off. And to coach to coach Eller's credit, because remember I was the assistant coach that year. Um, to coach Eller's credit, um, he um, he sent the kids home. He he ended practice early because he was like, hey, if this is how it's going to be, I'm sending you home. And I don't know if that served as a wake up call, but the bottom line is he maintained expectations. Regardless of who he was playing, he maintained expectations. Right? So it's hard to do that if you're playing, in our case, in the district tournament, it's hard to do that if you're playing Valley in the first round. I mean, that's just, I don't, I don't want to pick on him, but it's hard to do that because you're probably going to win 10 zip. And, um, you know, the, a lot of the kids are going to make a lot of mistakes that they can get away with. You know, the game is a great teacher. The bench is an even better, is a great lesson. And, um, if kids are allowed to get away with some of their, some of their flaws, uh, by playing Valley in the first round, they're going to be exposed in the next round. Right. So my concern with playing the 10, nothing game in the first round is that makes you struggle with, in my opinion, it makes you you're missing two things. If you're playing that 10-0 game in the first round, you're missing physicality and speed of play. That's what you're missing from your opponent. So when your next opponent brings that, you're not going to respond to it very well. Uh, feel free to ask PRP about that from last year's district tournament. Um, playing that hard-fought game in the first round gives you confidence and has you battle-tested for the next round. So in 2009, we were a two-seed in our district tournament at Franklin Simpson, right? Now, we had home field advantage at least, but we played an overtime thriller against Russellville in the first round, which shouldn't have ever happened. But again, um, well, that's another story for another day. <laughs> uh, but we beat them two to one, or yeah, two to one in overtime. And then we were primed for the rematch against Muhlenberg the next night, and we won three to one. You know? So after they had beaten us three to one six weeks earlier, I guess it was, but maybe a month earlier. So there was that. And then 2013, on the flip side, on the bad side of that, we played Valley 10-0 before facing PRP in the final, and we struggled because PRP brought the physicality and the speed of play. Um, and then you saw it in 2019. We had the battle against Holy Cross, and we won one nothing in the final minutes. Um, and then we handled PRP in the championship. So I guess I'll take the first-round battle. I think I'll take that battle in the first round. As long as there's no cards, as long as there's no injuries – um, kids can't take these games for granted, you know, um, and you need those kind of games to tell your kids, Hey, you're in, it's October. Everybody's good. And you, you know, you've got to respect your opponent. Um, the district tournament kind of teaches you to do that. Totally. And, you know, talking about Fairdale, uh, one of those teams in that district is going to have to play two games this year because Beth Haven is that's right. A yes. Soccer team. So. So it's going to be Holy Cross, PRP, Fairdale Valley, and Beth Haven. So that's a little bit of a wrench, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely – now, I tell you what, playing a third game 
on the third game of the week. That's tough. Um, if so, if you have two battles, uh, my comp, my my answer might change if I had to play three games in one week to win a district championship. Um, you know, two battles and then the district final. That's tough to pull off. Yeah, and okay, so we kind of talked about this, but I'll go ahead and ask you. So, yeah, uh, I personally think they should, but do you think KHSA should get rid of the district tournament just go straight to region, or should? You know, our regular season records determine if you have a postseason. So let's say if you have zero losses and 12, you know. Zero, uh, no, and 12 records. 12, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, yeah, zero, zero wins and 12 losses. Mm-hmm. And so what – okay. So, yeah, what, what – do you think they should do that or – No, um, because, Chris, the reason that there may be so many stories behind that 0-12 record. I mean, there may be – you may have kids that – um, I mean, seasons, hey, teams go through roller coasters of seasons. August may be just all about getting the kids out there. September may be just all about, you know, keeping the kids eligible. And by the time October rolls around, you look at your roster, hey, we're pretty talented. Hey, you know, we're we're in pretty decent shape now. Um, and, you know, Holy Cross, I mean, they've had seasons where they've won at best five games. And they've come out and beaten – they beat us in 2014, the first round, I think after they won three games that year. Um, so these schools, especially maybe the smaller schools, um, they number one, they have kids playing multiple sports. You have kids that are – I know over at Holy Cross, they're playing football, soccer, and cross country all that fall, which means by the time October rolls around, they're in shape, right? So they're not to be slept on. Um but we, you know, we have no idea. So we have no idea what the stories are behind those records. Teams may be practicing well, but just not able to break through. That's one thing I always told my kids at Fairdale. Guys, once school starts, it's all, it comes down to all about, it's all about who's having the best practices, you know, because good practices add up. So even if you're not winning, if you're still having great practices, you're eventually going to break through and get those wins, right? And a lot of times that comes into play in October, you know, so, um, there's always a few more eyeballs on the district tournament games. Um, kids in a lot of places need as much exposure as they can get. Um, the district tournament offers that. And again, you've heard me say this before, how many times teams play their best game of the season in their last game of the season. You see what I'm saying? Um, play the games, throw the records out. Chris, You won't believe this. 2015, I've got a 20-win team, or almost a 20-win team, right? Guess who? We played Valley in the first round of the district tournament at our field. Guess what the score was at the end of the game? Uh, I'm just going to guess 10-2. 3-1, us. Really? Valley. Now, we played like crap, right? But that's not Valley's fault, right? So... They came out and played, you know. They came out and played their best game of the year. So, yeah, that's shocking. I didn't know that. I've, I've looked at that scoreboard so many times. So, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. I just missed missed over that. <laughs> yeah. So, throw the records out. Um, the district tournament teaches you to respect the opponent, regardless of what the score was in the regular season. Um, you know, and again, programs that host their district tournament, they could use that gate money. So that's you know so there's a financial incentive in there as well. Right. So how was this is off topic, but how was Valley playing that night? Was it eleven in the back or no? 
Uh, no, Chris. They now did they have? They probably they. You know what? <laughs> I don't know if they. You know, I'm I'm gonna coach uh, Bacino that was at uh, Southern the last few years. He was the coach there at the time, and uh, Andrew knows the soccer. Um, they so you know we learned a lesson that night. Hey, don't disrespect your opponent. And um, and Valley was up one nothing on us. No joke. Valley Valley was up one nothing on us, and um, you know we came back to win. Um, we wore them down, but um, they were playing. Then first of all, they were having fun. You could tell they were just out there having fun. There was that, and then second, they were playing together. Right. So, if you're looking at the best game Valley's played in the last ten years, it could very well be a three to one loss in the district tournament to Fairdale. Yeah, that that surprised me. I never knew that. Much as I that, I guess I just yeah, huh. yeah. It's uh, it's worth looking up, but that really happened. Um, now we didn't play well that game, but um, nonetheless, Valley Valley took full advantage of that. So, props to them. So, uh, here's a question: If you know, if your team kind of had like the bought into your personality and kind of had the similar style as you, do you think they would have been more successful in this game, or? You know, uh, that's a great question, and it's a, it's a, you know, it's a fun question to ask. Um, we had check this out. Coming up into that game, there was a little bit of drama backstage going on, um, and we're not going to go into, you know, we're not going to go into it completely. But I think, uh, and the head coach was implicated um, in that drama. Um, and the kids knew about it. And I think, I, you know, Chris, I don't know if they fully adopted my personality in that game because um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very careful because coach, you know, the head coach gave me that opportunity to come work with him. He could have easily said, no, I don't want that kid. Right. Um, I don't want that loser coming and working with my program, but I think he didn't, you know, he grow he'd grown up in the area. And so he'd seen it time and time again, you know, losing to Bowling Green. So it wasn't anything new to him, right? And so I don't think he had as much of a growth mindset. Um, I could be completely wrong. He's, uh, uh, to my knowledge, he's still a pretty respected coach down in that area. Um, I, in my opinion, he didn't have the growth mindset that I had, right? So, you know, I wanted – I saw every game as an opportunity to to shock the world, you know? Um <laughs> And I think in that game, all season long, especially that group of seniors, I think they had more of his personality. They kind of, but when you know, but when some drama, there was there was a little bit of drama. I think they adopted a little bit more of my personality at that point. Not because I, I, I you know, not because I, I rallied him, you know, I, I rallied the troops or anything, and told him, hey, start listening. You got me. I got your back. There was never any of that. But I think when all that happened. I think uh, I think my voice started to carry a little bit more weight, and they listened to me a little bit more than they had all year. And of course, my message was, "Hey, we're going to come out here and punch these guys in the face. You know, we're 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 not going to be afraid of them." And I think they took that, and um, I think they took that and ran with it. So a little bit, I think that you know that night it was more of my personality that had that the team embodied than than the head coaches, and that's not a knock on him. Um, uh, I, I just think, I, I think some of the circumstances allowed them, you know, and kind of 
nudge them to listen to me a little bit more than they had all year. So, um, it's a fun question. That's a fair question to ask. Um, so, cause we right. don't, we don't, we all, we don't always get that as coaches. We, um, it's not every year that we have the teams that are a reflection of our personality and those can be frustrating years. For sure. So here's one last question to close things out. What, what's been your favorite district tournament as a coach? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, my best district tournament as a coach. Well, it needs to be one that I won. So, and I've been in some great games. I've been involved in some great games. Um, 2012 was really glorious. 2018 was something out of a movie. Um, yeah, but that it, was your first season back, right? Mm-hmm. And we won. Yeah. We beat PR, basically beat PRP in Golden Goal. Um, yeah, for, I the, that <laughs> for the second time in that season. <laughs> oh man! All right. So, um, but we only played one game in those district tournaments. So, um, it, that that makes it a little bit tough to brag about. So, um, I think last year's was might have been the most like tournament tournament, if that makes sense. Um, you know, we had all four teams, and in my opinion, that's good for the game. And we were the three seed on the road. We're at Holy Cross after they'd already beaten us that year. They're, they're, you know, they've got the student section there. They've got their best team they've had in years. Um, all, everything is stacked against us. And we won both games to win the title. Um, you know, cream always rises to the top. I scheduled tough on purpose that year to have us ready for October, mostly to have us ready for Butler. If we met him in the, in the regional, um, but in that case, in that situation, that's why we have those tournaments because, you know, I still felt we were, we could be the best team in the district. It just didn't come, it just didn't come together until October. We were playing our best soccer. Um, we played our best soccer of the season at that point in the season. Um, there wasn't any question about it. Um, a three seed, that, that's a tournament when the three seed wins and um, on the road and, you know, yeah, for sure. And I'll just be honest here. Going in that tournament, I kind of looked at you all as the underdogs. I mean, playing at Holy Cross, I mean, that's always a tough thing. Well, that's what we want. I mean, hey, uh, <laughs> that's what we want. And, yeah. you know, for a team that plays eight, you know, eight men on defense, um, it was going to be tough for us. But, you know, I just told the kids we prepared and we learned from our loss against them in PRP um, earlier in the year. I mean, the the whole double back-to-back double shootout losses, you know, we, we learned from it. And, um, you know, like I said, we played a tough schedule and we were pretty, you know, uh, we were pretty confident that week. I mean, we, we felt like we should, we should be the best team here. And, um, it was, it was cool to, uh, I told the boys before the game, I said, Hey, let's, uh, let's take the keys from Holy Cross this week. And, and we'll just tell them we'll lock up. Y'all go home. We'll lock up. And um, <laughs> that's that's a tournament for you when you pull off something like that. That's a great tournament. Uh, yeah, when you're able I to just, do that. There's no way Fairdale's going to win this. I, I was expecting. Really? Pull off, yeah. Oh, Chris. I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I know you all lost in the shootout. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that just I'd be really surprised if Fairdale won. And... I just think you know I think it's a big mistake. I think it's a big mistake for a team. Now you're you're a manager, so it's a little bit safer for you to to make those assertions. Um, and you know what, you're going to do that for a career, and I think that's great. Um, uh, but for players and coaches, especially, 
Um, there are teams, and we see it every year before the NCAA tournament. We see it all the time that just look dead in the water in you know the first week of October, and then something happens the week of district tournament. I mean, somebody either gets hurt, somebody, and you know, something happens. A new there's a new lineup. Somebody comes back from injury, whatever, and it just looks like a completely different team. And um, I've been fortunate enough to be with a lot of teams that have been able to do that in October. Um, but that one last year in 2019, that was a classic example of, you know, what I always wanted to accomplish. Now, we'd prefer to go in as the one seed and, and win every game, uh, but you're not going to get that every year. Um, so that, that, that I think that was the best tournament I've ever been a part of. That was um, – it's very rewarding, and yeah, like you said, I mean, Chris, I'm sure there were a lot of people that thought they're not going to win this. They, this team, this is just a down year, and nope, don't count us out. <laughs> yeah, I so. mean, I just I remember I think we were playing. It was we just beat uh, who did we beat? Doss and mm-hmm. Sales and uh, Aircoy was going on, and I remember just looking at my phone on Twitter, just waiting for an update for that game. Yeah, you all Holy Cross. I was just kept on scrolling. Yeah, so that's that's. I always kind of enjoyed that during the, you know, district regional tournament while I'm mm-hmm. on the sidelines. You know, I did the Twitter for Butler yeah. soccer. It's always, right. It was kind of cool to see. Oh, wonder how Fairdale's doing tonight, and wonder mm-hmm. how you know this team's doing. So yeah, I, that's why I like social media a lot yeah. more for. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's what that's what it's good for. Um, yeah. When when Daniel scored that goal with three minutes to go against Holy Cross, we were back at that point. I was like, okay, we're in position. Here we come. You know, yeah, and, yeah, and um, you know, we wish things could have turned out differently than they than they did, but that's part of it. Um, you know, but we won that district championship, and uh, because you know we we had that underdog mentality, so and we thrive with that. We really do. So, or we did. Oh, I should say, we did when I was there. I should say. So, I think they'll keep it going for sure. All right. Well, that's all I have. So, I think next week we got to good one in store the 2015 season man that's that's gonna be loaded man we're whoo you know uh that should be fun to talk about uh we got all kinds of games we got tournaments to talk about um is uh are we gonna have a guest that week uh i'm still i just texted him earlier waiting a response but there's a chance that john pedro from fern creek could possibly okay make a appearance yeah that'll be cool to talk with coach pedro um Got a lot of respect for him and what he's accomplished, obviously. Um, uh, but that 2015 season, that's uh, you, you're going to need to ask me, you know, what's my best team? What's my greatest team ever? Um, that 2015 team, man, that's that's going to be – it's hard to beat that one. So um, I can't wait to talk about why. Yeah. Really, really and truly, I can't wait to talk about the preparation that went into that season because um, it's uh, another underdog mentality. Um, but, uh, a little bit of a comeback there. So we're, um, yeah, we're, I'm, I can't wait to talk about that one. That one's going to be fun. Yeah. I can't wait either. Should be a good one. So, all right, Chris, well, go back to setting Twitter on fire. Uh, I'm going to, uh, get some, get these links downloaded so we get the show up on YouTube. Yeah. And... I guess let me give a shout out to the editor really quick. Uh, yeah. Will Rue, he's a, I think he's a, He'll be an uh, upcoming senior at Collegiate. So if anybody needs any editing work done, contact him. I'm not sure if he really wanted me to mention him, but what the heck. Might as well just go ahead. So. That could end up being a career for him, so I don't think he'll yeah, mind. Yeah, he's done really well. He charges a 
I mean, he'll edit anything for a low price of $10. So it's pretty good deal. There you go. There you go. All right, Chris, go set Twitter on fire. I'm going to get these links uploaded and I guess eat some chicken. <laughs> and uh, we're done for the night. Good job, man. All righty. All right. That's step to the podcast.